Ask My Name. It's Juan Gorin. I'm joined in the Skype call full of experts. I got Jerome Jones, CEO of Inside the Hashes, and key Inside the Hashes contributor Chris Thomas on the line. What is up, everybody? What's up? Uh, now, uh, before we dive into today's topics, I want to jump into a bit of the pop culture news going on right now. So it was reported on Monday that uh, we, we all know the Jenner family. We all know the Kardashians. You know, Kylie Jenner, at 21 years old, has been named the world's youngest self-made billionaire. And it is a result of her Kylie Cosmetics line. It has propelled her up to the top that she's had over the past five years or so. And gentlemen, being that we deal in the news of professional sports, and we see these young athletes making millions upon millions of dollars, either catching a ball, hitting someone, or even kicking it through the goalposts, are we ever going to see the first NFL player or professional sports player in general become a self-made billionaire? I want to start off with Chris on that one. I don't think no one is ever going to make a billion dollars. I mean, it's already hard enough for for NFL players to already get their money's worth, uh, i.e. Le'Veon Bell. And really, outside of a quarterback, um, you really don't see any other players at all, unless you're like an Aaron Down or a Khalil Mack, a generational-type player, making that kind of money. So I don't really see that happening at all in the future, if that at all. I love about you, Drew. Now, the question was self-made billionaire. And I think that the person that can do it right now is probably Tom Brady. I mean, uh, he got the six rings. He's married a supermodel. Pretty sure as soon as he get done his NFL career, he's going to be having so many endorsements, some kind of GQ kind of magazine or something like that. He's probably going to own uh, some kind of team or something like that, have his own kind of yacht or something like that. Um, I think that he will probably be the first billionaire um, athlete after football. Uh, according to Google, <laughs> the Google search, Tom Brady's net worth is about $180 million right now. Uh, he needs about $820 million more before he can hit billion, but um, I'm pretty certain he can get that, you know, with all the Uggs deals. Yeah, see? See? He got the Uggs. He had the um, the mattress endorsement thing, and pretty sure he got a whole bunch of other endorsements. So, yeah. One, thing, one more thing I want to ask you guys is, like, the term self-made billionaire, I really don't know what exactly that means yeah uh as how is like self-made would be um did you build your own business or your own market or did you take advantage of a trend like let me ask you guys what in your opinion defines a self-made billionaire chris can you uh, you go first now i think the term self-made billionaire is having your own well obviously you yourself is your own brand and you making money off of your own likeness and your own projects uh, obviously, uh, an example I'd like to use, um, since we're in the pop culture zone, uh, Jaden Smith. Uh, Jaden Smith, he has his own clothing line. He does he does a voiceover for an, an original Netflix series. And right now, he's working on a water filter to help to regain their clean water. It, obviously, the last name helped because obviously he's Will Smith's son, but he's going out there making power moves on his own, signing his own name off and making money on his own. All right, Jerome? Um, Chris put it in the perfect way to say it, like for somebody to pretty much build their empire on how they do it and on our own terms and not through, for instance, the NFL uh, record deals or what they're doing it on their own power and uh, pretty much producing on their own, own will. So I think that is a good way to say it, Chris. Well, 
Let's pop culture out of the way. I want to jump right into the rundown. The rundown. And to start things off, it has been a bad week for NFL players and cards. Uh, free agent wide receiver Demarius Thomas and running back Alex Collins were involved in separate car crashes. Thomas has been charged with vehicular assault in Denver, while Collins was charged with drug and gun possession. In Texans news, Andre Johnson is back in Houston. As a coach for the Houston Chronicle, the Texans' all-time great wide receiver is joining Bill O'Brien's staff as a special advisor to the head coach and general manager. Johnson isn't the only former Texan player to join Houston's staff, however. According to the Chronicle, Johnson joins former linebackers Brian Cushing and Akeem Dent, as well as quarterback T.J. Yates on Bill O'Brien's staff. In major contract news, the Chiefs and speedy wideout Tyreek Hill are working on a, quote, record-setting deal, end quote, for the 25-year-old former fifth-round draft pick. The last major wide receiver deal we've seen come came last year through Giants wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr., who signed a five-year, $90 million extension with $65 million of it in total guarantees. We'll see how much uh, Tyreek Hill can break the bank in the 2019 offseason. Staying in the NFC East, two NFC East rivals have their eyes on the same prize. Per Cleveland.com, the Eagles and Cowboys have shown major interest in training for running back Duke Johnson. In 16 games last season with the Cleveland Browns, Johnson recorded 201 rushing yards and no touchdowns. Moving on to some of the most significant cuts of the week, some big names hit the free agency market, including Giant safety Landon Collins, Raven safety Eric Weddle, Bears defensive lineman Sam Acho, Texans cornerback Kevin Johnson, Rams linebacker Mark Barron, Patriots tight end Dwayne Allen, Browns linebacker Jamie Collins, and the aforementioned Ravens running back Alex Collins. The Ravens also didn't tag linebacker C.J. Mosley, allowing him to hit the open market, but they are hoping to work out a deal with him before free agency actually starts. It was reported earlier Wednesday that the 49ers will make Terrell Owens the 28th inductee into the San Francisco 49ers Hall of Fame. In eight years with San Fran, Owens had 592 catches, 8,572 receiving yards, and 81 touchdowns. And now for the obligatory Antonio Brown news, here are the teams that have been somewhat connected with having interest in the Steelers' wideouts over the past few weeks. They include the Tennessee Titans, Washington Redskins, the Oakland Raiders, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Initially, we had the Philadelphia Eagles and Arizona Cardinals and the New York Jets on this list, but a latest report from Ian Rappaport said that they have all pulled out of any interest in the troubled wide receiver. And that concludes the rundown. We haven't gotten the rundown out of the way. We want to jump into today's topic. The first topic I want to tackle right now is the six players that have officially been tagged by the respective NFL teams. We have Cowboys defensive end, Demarcus Lawrence, Seahawks defensive end Frank Clark, Texans pass rusher Jadavion Clowney, Chiefs linebacker D. Ford, Falcons defensive tackle Grady Jarrett, and 49ers kicker Robbie Gould. Now, guys, we all know what the franchise tag implies, that um, the respective teams could not work out long-term contracts with these players or just simply could not afford to sign them to anything long-term. So this is just a band-aid on the situation. We've seen it happen uh, the past couple of years when the Steelers kept franchise tagging uh, Le'Veon Bell. So I want to ask you guys, um, who do you think is going to sign their franchise tag 
And if they don't sign, who do you think is going to hold out the same way Le'Veon Bell did in the 2018 season? Chris, let me start off with you on that. I think Demarcus Lawrence might hold out. I think with him having um, 14 sack season two seasons ago, and then when obviously he had 10, 10 and a half this year, um, a bit of a down year for his standards. But when you look at the current of uh, Dallas's uh, defense right now, especially on the defensive line, Randy Gregory suspended another player, another one of their defensive players got suspended. Um, he's very important. He's probably the best, most important player on that defense, not named Jalen Smith or Leighton Van Der Esch. He's the one who generates pressures. Um, he's the one who makes everybody's job on that defensive line better. And if they can't figure out a way to show him the money in which he rightfully deserves, especially with all these big contracts coming up with Amari Cooper, Dak Prescott, well, they're their big three in Zeke, Dak, and Amari. I could definitely see um, DeMarcus Lawrence being a not content and hold out. What do you think would be a good contract for DeMarcus Lawrence in terms of like fair, like fair recompensement and contract length? Um, I think about, well, you got to think he's so young. I still think he's 24, 25. I think like a five-year, 75 million, around 15 million a year, Almost half of his contract guarantee. I think that's a fair asking price for one of the better premier pass rushers in the uh, NFC, not just the NFC, just the NFL. Now, we have reports that Jadavian Clowney is also planning to hold out during training camp. So, we saw like a major trend that we see with the franchise tag is a lot of these guys are pass rushers, uh, with the importance of tackling the quarterback increasing every year. So, uh, do we see any of these guys, Frank Clark, DeMarcus Lawrence, Jadavion Clowney, D. Ford, Brady Jake, any of them about to break the bank or set a new standard the same way that uh, Khalil Mack or Aaron Donald did last year? Um, I could definitely see Jadavion Clowney definitely potentially breaking that bank because because he's just such he's so naturally gifted. He's healthy. Um, hamstrings not bothering anymore, and him and JJ Watt just on the front seven just creates so much havoc and chaos for uh, opposing offenses, especially now in the AFC South. But the, I think the issue is going to be is that when you have contracts like Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald, it kind of handcuffs you in terms of trying to pay everybody else. And But when you see money that is being laundered to the franchise quarterbacks, uh, these premier pass rushers are, are definitely going to feel some type of ways. Like, Listen, I can change the game just as much as a quarterback. So I definitely deserve to see my money too. So I think Le'Veon Bell kind of started a renaissance of knowing your worth and hold out and don't break until you know what you're going to get and know your worth in terms of getting the money that you deserve. All right, all right. Those good, good thoughts right there, especially like the part about the Le'Veon Bell that you included there. Um, Jerome, what do you think, man? I totally agree with Chris. I think that uh, Demarcus Lawrence is going to be the one that pulls out he obviously don't want to be on a second franchise tag. And usually when you pay somebody on that second franchise tag, it doesn't usually end up well. I just think that right now the Cowboys are going to be in a tight bunch because he probably wants to break the bank. And they really can't afford to because they got to pay their quarterback, they got to pay their running back, and their wide receiver. And they have to worry about other young talent and their defense that got to resign like Byron Jones. So... 
they're going to be in a tight bunch. It's going to be very difficult to actually keep Demarcus Lawrence unless they're thinking about trading him. It all depends on what other teams can trade. Um, it's going to be a very interesting couple of couple of weeks and days uh, with that tag. I think he's going to be the one to uh, to hold out. As far as breaking the bank, I agree with Javion Clowney. I think that he um, he's the guy that, that most likely going to get paid for all the same reasons that Chris said that he's uh, anchor on that defense. Um, you see how he played against the Eagles. He went off when um, the Eagles shut down um, J.J. Watt. And I think that those two are a, a really good one or two punch. So I think that it makes more sense for them to try and whatever they can do to keep him on that roster. And as far as signing first, I think that, you know, make the obvious choice here. Robbie Gold, I think he's going to be the first one to obviously, you know, kicker, you know, they... They don't really care. So I think he's going to be the first one to sign it. Now, um, we have, now, like a lot of these guys that have been tagged, you know, all three important pass rushers, like we said. One in particular was linebacker D Ford, who had a pretty good season. He started off with a couple of bust years as a first-round pick for the Chiefs, but then he started gradually becoming much more defined in his skill set and technique, really elevated to double-digit sack numbers over the past couple of years. Uh, but right now, they're also seemingly ready to trade him. If that's the case, let me, I want to ask both of you, where would be a possible landing spot for D. Ford, and what's a good competition for him? With a lot of analysis saying that a second-round pick is the best that they can do, but what would you think, Chris? I think Buffalo would be actually an excellent spot for him. Um, you got to think Sean McDermott's uh, calling card is uh, him being a former defensive coordinator um, in Carolina, um, Philadelphia, and now in Buffalo. Buffalo has a lot of excellent talent, especially in their front seven. I think he'll be. I think it'll be a hand and glove fit there. And what would they? What would it take to get D Ford into Buffalo? Considering the fact that they traded up last year to get Josh Allen, uh, I'm not sure what kind of. Um, I'm not sure about their pick status this year, but. I think a future second rounder should be enough to, to be able to sweeten the deal, because um, when you look at that Buffalo defense, it's it was it was top ten in third down conversions, uh, second in yards allowed, and fourth and fourth the first downs allowed. Um, they were number one in terms of pass defense. So adding a premier pass rusher like a D Ford who had an amazing gear also with uh, Chris Jones and uh, Justin Houston, who's just got released from Kansas City early this week, would be an excellent fit in terms of fielding a potential number one defense that can rival Baltimore and uh, Chicago. All right. All right. Well, Jerome, what do you think? I do think Buffalo. Like, I, didn't, I initially didn't think Buffalo, but I think Buffalo was actually a good uh, spot for him, Chris, so good job on that. Uh, I was thinking more like maybe Green Bay. Um, I think they would probably be a good fit for him. I, I can't see them – Trading him for more than a third-round pick. He had an okay year prior to this year. He had a good year this year. I don't see – it wasn't a long list of good years that he kind of racked up. So I can't see him getting traded for a second-round pick. Somebody might, you know, give them multiple picks, like, you know, a fourth and a third, maybe two-thirds, something like that. I can't see a second-round pick. Um, that's just in my opinion. But I think the Green Bay Packers would be a good fit for them. Um, they need a pass rusher, too. So, Green Bay's for me. I just also think that because pass rushers are like become such a premium, um, when you look at uh, the previous Super Bowl winners, uh, you got to talk about – everyone wants to talk about the Legion of Bloom, but you want to talk about that pass rush that um, 
that front seven with uh, Seattle led by Michael Bennett and Malcolm Smith, you got to think about the job that they've done. Uh, obviously, that Denver in their 2015 campaign, uh, Von Miller was just able to take over that entire playoffs and despite Peyton Manning regressing hard, um, taking uh, beating down on Tom Brady and Cam Newton. Um, you got to talk about Philadelphia's pass rush. Uh, that was their calling card when they won the Super Bowl. And the player of the game wasn't even the Philly special, it was the Brandon Graham strip sack. And even this year, even though to me it wasn't a fairly interesting Super Bowl, but you got to think about that Patriots uh, front seven, um, the way they just able to just to keep Jared Goff and Ty Gurley at bay. Uh, pass rushers are becoming a more of a necessary uh, cog in the wheel in order for you to make a legitimate run for a title. So that's why I think um, a second rounder um, for especially a guy who had 13 sacks this year. He was hurt um, the previous year before. He only played in six games. But the year before that, he also, again, he had double-digit sacks. So that's why I think Buffalo, because you don't have to pay, you don't have to wander money to Josh Allen right now, it would definitely be okay with giving up a second or even a third-round pick, um, like you said, a third-round pick, um, to get the services of D4. It is a quarterback-driven league, and in a quarterback-driven league, pass rushers are coming at a premium. With that being said, quarterbacks are actually one of the biggest forms of currency in the league right now, especially if you can trade them, and especially when they're coming in pretty young. So that's which brings me to the next topic of discussion. Uh, trade rumors concerning Arizona Cardinals sophomore quarterback Josh Rosen now. It's, always, it's been all over the media over the past uh, couple of weeks that the Arizona Cardinals are flirting by, with using the, the number one overall pick to draft Oklahoma quarterback Kyler Murray. Now, it's now we all know the history be, between uh, Cliff Kingsbury, the current Arizona Cardinals head coach, and in the whole thing that he said about if he had the number one overall pick, he would draft Kyler Murray when he was head coach at Texas Tech last year. And it's and with the growing rumors starting to come around and teams chiming in some interest in the former first-round pick from 2018 last year, uh, I want to pass the question off to you guys. Let's say that Josh Rosen does end up getting traded. What team do you believe uh, will acquire his services? And what is the maximum or what is the best offer you, the Arizona Cardinals can get for Josh Rosen? Jer- Jerome, I'll start off with you on that one. All right, so I'm going to take a hard right turn. Hard right turn, hard right turn. Because uh, I seen this online um, earlier, and I was like, wow, that makes a ton of sense. I mean, it was stink because it will have Rosen kind of sitting on a bench this year still, and I'm pretty sure he don't want that. But him going to the Saints will make so much sense. He get to learn behind Drew Brees. Drew Brees probably only have one more year, maybe two. We'll see. Um, and and then you have established quarterback. You don't have to worry about the unknown um, with the quarterback because you kind of know what he has already. Um, you have a way better offensive line. You have a way better running backs. You have way better wide receivers. Defense getting there. If Josh Rosen goes to the Saints. I, if I was him, I would rejoice and be happy that he don't have to be behind that terrible offensive line and be and get to learn behind a Hall of Famer. Um, as far as um, what they can get for him, um, I don't think he's gonna. They're gonna get more than a second round pick. And the only reason I say second round because he only played one year, 
and he's still young. So the the jury's still kind of out on his talent and how he do, how he will do in the NFL. He haven't played in complete season. Um, and again, the Cardinals was a team in disarray. Um, you know, as you see, they got the number one overall pick. So this, uh, it would be crazy to see him go to the Saints. I think that would be such a good fit for him. This is the fact that he's young. Mm-hmm. What is most appealing? Just twenty-one, about to turn twenty-two years old. Whilst everyone else in the quarterback market has an average age about twenty-nine to thirty years old. So, wouldn't wouldn't the fact that he's so young and comes with so much potential drive up the price? Um, no, I don't think so. And the reason is that again, you kind of have some kind of film on him, so you kind of know what you're getting. And the fact that there's a lot of teams that didn't want to draft him just because his personality wasn't the best and people had problems with his personality-wise, um, he will be a hard fit. Like, I know a lot of people are saying the Giants. He, If I'm not mistaken, I believe he already told people that he didn't want to be drafted by the Giants last year. Um, and he's just that kind of guy that kind of rubs people the wrong way. So um, there's going to be teams shying away from spending a first-round pick on a guy – that has somewhat of a character issue. All right, Chris, what do you think, man? Okay, I'm just on record. I think the Cardinals, if they trade Josh Rosen, um, are stupid. I think the fact that you are just going to give a rookie quarterback, under the circumstances that he was in, no offensive lineman, no offensive, no legitimate offensive line behind him. So not only that affected him, his confidence but that also a major run game ineffective with David Johnson. You really didn't have a viable wide receiver for outside of an aging Larry Fitzgerald. So I think the fact that they're just pulling the cord on him like this early, I, I just think it's dumb. I understand that Cliff Kingsbury is going to want his guy um, to groom and go forward with, and, I, and it might be Kyler Murray. That being said, uh, Jerome brought up a good point about learning um, behind somebody. However, um, I'm not sure if the Saints have the draft capital. They gave up a first-round pick to move up to trade for Marcus Davenport. They don't have a third-rounder because they gave it up for Teddy Bridgewater. I don't think they have a fourth-rounder either. Mm. So that, be- that being said, uh, speaking of grooming quarterbacks, um, I think the obvious choice to me is I have two options. I have two choices. Uh, first is probably Oakland. Um, when you're going to trade for him, you're going to have him for the next three years making around two mil a year. And John Gruden is probably just going to be looking for his guy, uh, a young guy to groom for the future, because John Gruden really says he's not really going to be looking for veterans, just a bunch of group of young guys that he can groom um, into his own Gruden grinders. I'm just making this up as I go along, <laughs> the group part. But I think Josh Rose will be a good fit. Uh, Oakland's offensive line is good. You have three first-round picks, so if you want to trade one of those late for, for, late first-round picks or maybe a second, you can still then uh, probably get a premier pass rusher and probably some wide receivers along with a decent offensive line that's already in place for Josh Rosen to already thrive in. But uh, wouldn't the fact that Derek Carr already there kind of stifle the trade? Um, I think because the rumors also is that the Raiders are also silently trying to trade Derek Carr and – that $125 million contract he signed two seasons ago would kind of also hint that maybe that maybe that there's a possibility that instead of keeping a guy that is basically what you see, what you get, you can get a younger guy 
who John Gruden is personally going to handpick as this guy going forward, as as opposed to like a hand me down as to Gruden already got there. In second, um, the New England Patriots. Uh, you got to think um, also age wise, Tom Brady probably has a year or two left. You saw in this Super Bowl, Tom Brady really didn't need to do much because of uh, Belichick's um, being able to scheme around him in terms of the excellent play calling he did on defense, uh, stop Jared Goff and uh, injure Ty Gurley, but also the one game of Sonny Michelle, James White, Rex Burkhead, and him just coming into offense with uh, Rob Gronkowski, Julia Alderman, who's a very good wide receiver in his own right, as well as Chris Hogan. And if Josh, Josh Gordon never comes back and gets mentally right, then that's a plethora of good wide receivers for a young kid like Josh Rosen to have. And you also have to think that you also are going to be paired with probably the greatest mastermind in NFL history with Bill Belichick. So don't count the Patriots out because this is definitely a New England Patriot kind of move that they could potentially do. All right, Jerome? So I wanted to touch on the part where um, Chris was talking about in the beginning of his statement about Cardinals trading Rosen. I totally agree with you. I, I think that's really messed up. Um, I think they should just stick with their guns. I totally agree with that. But at the same token, you got to understand, this is a business. And the Cardinals are about to lose Larry Fitzgerald. This, they said this is his last year, right? They have yes. to get some kind of marketing into that, that team. Like, who who else is really a marketable player on that team? So, bringing in Kyler Murray, they got the coach. Now they got the quarterback that can market and get re- resonant in and things like that in that aspect. So, Again, I think that, that this is the reason why they're doing that. And for the same reasons that the Lakers drafted ball, you know, it's, a market, it's kind of a marketing tool. You know, you bring somebody in young, you bring somebody that's favorable, you know, that a lot of people know, Heisman Trophy winner, electric great runner, um, electrifying player. I think that's why, that's their mindset in this whole thing. Now, and to bring him and his coach together, I think that, that – that's such a marketing tool that, you know, that I think that's the main driver for this whole thing. And another, and that's another reason why I think the Oakland Raiders would want him as, as well. They're about to go to Las Vegas. Again, exciting player, very marketable. I think that's that's the reason why they uh, they thinking about doing something like that. Is it right? No, but... Now, hearing all you guys with the uh, New England Patriots, which I think is a really interesting option, uh, despite what Jerome mentioned about character issues with uh, Josh Rosen. Um, I, like, Patriots are a good option. Saints are a good option. Oakland Raiders also a very good option. But I'm surprised neither one of you guys brought up uh, the team that's the most linked uh, to this trade. That's the Washington Redskins, who are in desperate need of a new quarterback, um, despite ha- having all their faith linked with Colt McCoy. So uh, I want to ask you guys in particular, do you guys not think that the Redskins are a good uh, fit for Rosen, or is it that they just... Um, I think it's an idiotic move to trade for him. Uh, Chris, let me ask you on that one. No, the reason why I didn't say Washington is because I was trying to do more out, outside-the-box thinking, but uh, Rosen to Washington makes the most sense out of everybody. I've said it multiple times that out of all the teams and coming going into the offseason for it to see in the draft, the Washington Redskins are literally in the worst situation when it comes to quarterbacks. Alex Smith is hurt then your next options is either going to be Mark Sanchez, Josh Johnson, who before this year hasn't played that game, hasn't started an NFL game in five years, and Colt McCoy, a career journeyman. So you got to think that, well, before Alex Smith got hurt, they were leading that division at 6-2. and two. 
you bring in Rosen, um, even with a very competent offensive lineman, even though that offensive lineman doesn't really hold up for a 16-game span, but when you look at the weapons around him, uh, Darius Geis is coming back. You have Paul Richardson, a really good two tight end set with Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis. Uh, Maurice Harris, Josh Doxon, and Jay Gruden, who is the other Gruden brother that no one really talks about. He's also um, has a really good credibility in terms of getting the best out of quarterbacks. He had Kirk Cousins get Pro Bowl seasons, and he's the reason why that he got an eighty-four million dollar contract. I think he'll do wonders for I think he'll do wonders for Rosen with the weapons that they have now. But I think in this draft, if you get a Rosen, you got to figure out a way to get a healthy offensive line to protect them. Right, Jerome. What are your thoughts? Um, Washington, it'll be good for Washington. I don't think it's good for Rosen to be honest. I, I feel like it's not an ideal situation for him, just because I don't I don't see I don't see the Washington Redskins having all these uh, players that um, Chris is saying. I don't think they have a number one guy yet. I mean, let's say they trade up to get somebody in the draft, maybe a DK Metcalf or something like that, if they still can uh, contain their first-round pick. But I don't think that they have enough weapons. The running backs is still a question because you got Adrian Peterson, um, agent, guys coming off a major injury. You got to see how he comes back. Um, Offensive of line, they're um, – in and out of the lineup and disarray, they got to fix that. So, honestly, uh, I don't think the Redskins are a good fit for Rosen, but Rosen is a good fit for Redskins because they need somebody. So, Well, whether it's the Redskins, the Raiders, the Patriots, or even the Saints, Josh Rosen would be a very interesting prospect for either one of these teams, whether he'll sit behind an all-time, whether he'll start for a, a struggling franchise or sit behind all-time great such as Drew Brees. And with the mention of Drew Brees, we make our transition into the final topic of today, which is the NFC South team needs. Now, like I mentioned in the last podcast, we're going to be doing this segment uh, over the next eight weeks, addressing every division and their and each team's respective needs at certain positions. For this week, we have uh, Jerome with the Atlanta Falcons and the Carolina Panthers. And Chris will take the New Orleans Saints and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, we're going to do one at a time. We'll do the Falcons first, then the Saints, then the Panthers, and we'll end it on the Buccaneers. So, Jerome, we'll start off with you. The Falcons right now are their Super Bowl window is really closing tight right now, man. And they have needs across the board from Ed Rusher to the interior defensive line, even offensive uh, the offensive guard position, and even running back with the loss of Tevin Coleman to free agency if they can't work out a deal with him. So, what do you think Atlanta, the Atlanta Falcons need to try to get to propel themselves back into that Super Bowl window? Oh, yeah. Um, pass rusher is definitely a big thing for them. Um, they had a lot of key injuries last year. Keanu Neal, he went out last year. Um, a couple of other injuries in the um, secondary. So I think they'll bounce back. I don't think they have like any like crazy glaring needs, but they definitely need some kind of pass rusher. Wide receivers, they're pretty good. They got Ridley, they got Muhammad, and of course, Julio Jones. Uh, quarterback, they're good. Running back, I think they can get another backup running back. I don't think they're going to go crazy for a backup running back. Freeman is coming off an injury, so we'll see how he comes back. Um, they also got Edel uh, Smith, who they really like as a backup, and they used him a lot last year. Chris making a face at me. Uh, <laughs> um, so I think with that, they'll be okay. Hooper, 
kind of coming through as a tight end. Um, he's okay. Also, offensive line, I think they pretty set there. They can get some good um, backups there. So offensively, I think they're fine as long as they adjust to that scheme because they did switch their scheme up since last year, and I think they was kind of coming on at a certain point last year. Uh, I think what kind of doomed them last year was mostly their defense, and they getting a lot of defensive players back. But pass rush is definitely a, uh, a higher need than anything. That's that's going to be a no for me, dog, and Edo Smith. <laughs> as a backup, um, though? As a, as a yeah, role player? Yeah, yeah, even as a backup. Um, the game that really highlighted me last year was the, the Thanksgiving game between the Falcons and the Saints in the Super Bowl mm-hmm. and the Superdome was the fact that even on third and fourth and ones, um, neither Tevin Coleman or Edo Smith can get that tough one-yard carry to keep those drive alive, and that's where you're missing Tevin Coleman at. I don't think Edo Smith is I don't think Edo Smith is really that good that you can just hang your hat on on moving on from Tevin Coleman. I do agree with them trying to find uh, another running back behind a returning uh, Devontae Freeman, but I'm, I'm, yeah, Edo Smith is a no. No for me. This ain't it, Chief. Even as a uh, rookie and um, coming in, and he did have some really good games for them, and they they absolutely love him over there. Yeah. Well, obviously, you can't. I'm just not sold. Uh, it's just a. Okay. Edo Smith is just a, until prove me otherwise. But I'm just not a fan of Edo Smith. Okay. I'm going to have to side with Chris on that one. Uh, I was watching tentatively the Atlanta Falcons last year in terms of the running back uh, committee. And despite Kevin Coleman's best efforts, he didn't really prove himself to be a kind of back that can sustain himself. And Edo Smith, he had flashes, but it just wasn't enough to really propel. So. That's why I mean. That's why I mean. He, him as a backup role, he's coming. He's going to be a backup to um, Freeman. Freeman is an injury-prone running back, so you need someone that can handle the load when he's not there. And neither one of those two seem to be able to do that. Moving on to the New Orleans Saints, Chris. Uh, it's positions mainly along the random positions, really. It's tight end, offensive tackle, cornerback. And, of course, backup quarterback. So what do you think is the most important position for the Saints to address as soon as free agency starts? Um, I think we touched on it earlier with the uh, Josh Rosen talk. I think getting a backup quarterback, um, more particularly a young backup quarterback for the future, for Sean Payton to have when Drew Brees eventually leaves, should be uh, one of the top priorities on your list. And another one in which I'm really going to say, they need a number two wide receiver. Someone opposite of Michael Thomas. Um, I don't think. I don't think. Uh, I don't think Smith is it. Um, and I think that's also the reason why they went out and got Beth Bryant in hopes of he'll be able to fill that void. But when you saw that NFC title game, obviously that um, that miss passing the first call was egregious. But when you look at Michael Thomas' stats, when he's constantly being switched off from a key to leave Marcus Peters, he had four catches for thirty six yards. And when you look at that same passing offense, it's like all you really have to do is just any good, de- any good competent defense. All you, you got to do is really key on Michael Thomas and force those other rookies to try and try and beat you. Um, you'll be able to you'll be able to keep it close. But I think uh, wide receiver number two should definitely also be on our top priority list. I think the defense is fine. You traded up for Marcus Davenport. Uh, AJ Klein is really good. Uh, Elzone is really good. Uh, their secondary is very young with Lattimore. Um, I don't. Eli Apple's not that good. I, <laughs> you could definitely, you could definitely use a 
on number two corner from that. It's kind of weird. They have an all Ohio State cornerback thing going on back there. Yeah. But but they could definitely also use a number two corner. Um, Eli Apple's not it. I don't know why they traded for him. Maybe they thought change of scenery and playing with a former teammate might help them, but he's, he's also not it. In terms of needing weapons, I, I, I like that you brought up wide receivers to go alongside Michael Thomas. But what about the safety blanket of an offense, the tight end position? Um, who do you think would be a good fit there? If you have some options, I, I'll give you Dwayne Allen, Jared Cook, Tyler Eifert, and Austin Safarian Jenkins. I think, and this is really a stretch because he's really had some injury issues, I think Tyler Eifert might be the best bet for them. Um, when you think about the Saints, um, their vertical offense, getting the ball down the field. Eifert might be the best receiving tight end of the bunch. And if he's healthy, he can definitely get some mismatches in that offense. The way Sean Payton schemes, uh, you have to worry about Alvin Kamara also in the in the flat game. And uh, Michael Thomas, uh, his ability to just about run every single route under the route tree. Um, Eifert, if healthy, should definitely be able to get some looks if he goes to New Orleans. All right, Jerome, any rebuttal to any of that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> All right, I guess I'll propel us to our next team, which is the Carolina Panthers. And some of the major needs I have written down here, we have safety because they let go of their two top safeties in free agency. Uh, we have wide receiver, uh, offensive line, and the pass rusher. So, Jerome, out of, the, out of those or anyone else they have in mind, what is the top priority for the Carolina Panthers? Again, pass rushers, and it's going to be the year of the pass rushers, apparently, because they definitely need one. They uh, lost uh, Julia Peppers out of from retirement. Um, he was slowing down as it was anyway, even though he had pretty – for his age, he had a pretty good year. I mean, I think so. Um, but they definitely need a pass rusher. Um, I say wide receiver, they can use another receiver. Um, I think DJ Moore is going to take that number one role. Um, Curtis Samuels was coming on um, late in the year. They have Funches that's going to be a free agent, so and I I, I don't expect them to resign him. So um, <laughs> and Chris putting that thumbs down to uh, Funches. <laughs> um, I think that they um, wide receiver is definitely one. I don't think it's going to be a high priority for them. Another one that you didn't say, or at least I don't think you say, um, backup quarterback Cam Newton might not be playing this year. Uh, there's a possibility he might not play this year, or if he does, it's it probably be late in the season. Um, they gotta bring somebody in that can fill that void until he come back. And um, their backups were not working last year, so I think backup quarterback will be a, another one, possibly tight end. Um, Greg Olson is going to be retiring soon. I think they should get somebody for him. He's been injury prone the last couple of years as well. So having another good tight end, um, I don't think Ian Thomas is good enough to fill in that role yet. Um, so that's a possibility. And obviously also his offensive line, um, they need somebody to protect Cam Newton. Offensive line hasn't been that great. Uh, I think they need a tackle. Um, I think they, honestly, I think they will go more in the draft for that. But I think that just in the free agent market for t- um, tackles right now are not that great anyway. So um, I think that, the Panthers were definitely an offensive line. Now, the reason I didn't bring up quarterback was because 
I don't the Carolina Panthers never been a team to really go really cash heavy on safeties. So that's why I didn't really say safeties. Um they more of you know, they go low margin on them as far as I've seen the last couple of years. They still got Eric uh, Reed back there that was pretty productive back there. Um they're gonna need another they will need another safety back there. Um but honestly I I don't see them going heavy on a safety. I think their priority is uh, going to be pass rusher. All right, all right. Well, then let's move down to the final team of the NFC South, bottom of the barrel team, I have to say, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Chris, the needs for this team are exponential, but for now I'm focusing primarily on retooling their defense, a quarterback, safety, a defensive end, and, of course, getting a backup quarterback that can not only support Jameis Winston's development, but also compete for the starting job to give them a sense of, hey, you may be the number one overall pick in 2015, but you don't have a guaranteed job anymore. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I'm definitely going to say that defense is definitely going to be uh, their priority. They were just bad enough to get in mid-round, to be in the mid-rounds mid in the draft, in a very heavy-loaded defensive draft. But, yeah, definitely. I definitely think... Defense is going to be uh, their top priority. Uh, you have Todd Bowles, who was the former Jets uh, head coach, joining uh, Bruce Arians. Uh, they fo- they formerly coached together. But now, uh, obviously, I look at this defensive line. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, Gerald McCoy, uh, you have a lot of age now. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul is still down. Gerald McCoy, he's not the uh, pro bowler all-pro that he used to be. Uh, obviously, Vita Vita was um, – is a good young uh, player on a defensive line, but he's more of a one-stopper. So I definitely think pass rush is definitely going to be a high demand. And also, probably somebody in the second um, – they, they need everybody on every level. Um, linebacker as well. Uh, Quan Alexander um, is going to be a free agent. They offered uh, a big-time deal for his services. We have yet to see uh, whether he agreed to it or not, but they're definitely going to need um, – a middle linebacker to replace him if he leaves a free agency. And they're secondary. Uh, Chris Conti's a free agent. Uh, we talked about it being a really heavy safety free agency class this year. So you could potentially see uh, Landon Collins under a Todd Bull scheme, a ha-ha Clinton Dix or, or Earl Thomas. Uh, but, yeah, they definitely need helps in just about every single level on that defense. I think the offense is going to be fine. Obviously, you want a little bit more consistency with Jameis Winston, but with Bruce Arians um, able to scheme, um, the success that he had with uh, Ben Roethlisberger, Andrew Luck's rookie year, and Carson Palmer um, almost having an MVP season if Cam Newton didn't have the ridiculous season he had in uh, 2015. But the offensive weapons that they have with Mike Thomas, uh, Mike, Mike Evans, sorry, too many Mikes, 
uh, Mike <laughs> Evans, Paint Barber. Uh, you have a really good tight end combination with OJ Howard and Cameron Bray. Um, I think Bruce Arians is going to make it work, but they definitely need to reassure that defense, especially when the division you're in with uh, explosive offenses like the Saints and uh, the Falcons two times a year. All right, all right. Well, uh, that concludes our last thing of the day. Any final thoughts before we go out of here, guys? Yeah, where's Avery? <laughs> I'm going to keep asking until he comes back. Miss <laughs> you, Avery. <laughs> I just want to thank everyone for listening to this latest episode of the Air It Out podcast. I believe this is episode 40 now? Episode 40. All right. So, 40th episode. Not bad. 10 more till we reach 50. (laughs) Um, Meantime, I just want to thank all our listeners for tuning in. Um, You can check out all our content through our our official website of InsideTheHashes.com. You can check us out on social media, Facebook, InsideTheHashes. Our Twitter handle is at Inside Hashes and Instagram is at Inside the Hashes. For the Aaron Up Podcast, I am Juan Guarino. I was joined by Jerome Jones and by a contributor Chris Thomas. Thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time.